we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Hello, everybody. So glad you're here. Can we celebrate again that we are in God's house on Easter weekend? We are in, can we, I want to hear it again. We're in God's house on Easter weekend. You'll seem happy about that. Anybody happy about being in God's house? Yeah. In the house. I know there are many of you online for many reasons. You're far. We, there are many that have joined us online from a great distance. I know down there at True Worth, uh, man, you're just good to get out of the cold and, and I get out, out of the wet and kind of get into a place and just be with us down at True Worth. And you can't be in the house. Uh, and we're glad that you're joining us through the miracle of online. And over the past year, so many have joined us from around the United States and a few in other places of the world. Uh, but this morning, I just want to reiterate what Chris was saying. Last year, a year ago... I think Jack was telling me there were three people in this room, just in, there was nobody in the sanctuary, nobody in the sanctuary, uh, when we were having this part of worship. It is so good to see you. It is so good to see you. And uh, if you're new, whether you're joining us online or you're in the sanctuary, truth in the house, uh, we would love to connect with you. We have a lot of things out on the crossing we want you to be able to linger. We know uh, that parking may be an issue for the next group, but that's what they get for not coming now, right? Uh, yeah, okay. So we want you to have a good experience and enjoy yourself. Get your photos taken. Uh, linger with your family. And if you are new, and I, I've not had a chance to meet you, I'd love to. And if you're back after a long time, I mean, just, you know, just a long, long time, I'd love to hear a story. You know, just, just I'll be out there in the crossing, and other staff will too. We just love the chance to visit with you. Again, you know, thanks for coming. And I especially want to say to those that are here this morning that are not sure if you even believe in God. And I want you to know you're really welcome here. I know sometimes you can feel like you're kind of on the outside in because you don't understand this Easter thing and you just came because it's a family thing and it's a traditional thing and you feel like you have to do it. And somebody kind of stuck their elbow on your side and to get it out, you came. And uh, I want you to know that's okay. I'd love to meet you and just say, man, thanks for coming. I hope somehow, just maybe somehow, you might experience God's presence a little bit here uh, while we're together. We've been in a series the past few weeks. We have been calling life-changing words. And we've been looking at one word every week and learning how to say it and why we say it. And so far, we've looked at six words. And the words have been no, yes, sorry, thanks, enough, and help. We got one word left, and it's our Easter word. And I want you to think for a second, just kind of what you think in your own life. You know, if you were going to have one word, one word only, one word only, that would give a, an Easter message or kind of speaks to the idea of the resurrection, what you think, what one word would you personally say out of your mouth? Now, just kind of hang on to that. I want us to go backwards so we can go forwards on holding that word. I want you to imagine that you, back in time, were on this earth 2,000 years ago. I want you to go back in time. Put yourself there. And this man, Jesus, showed up. His name was Jesus, and he starts teaching. And you hear him teach. And his teaching is pretty unbelievable. And you go, wow, I've never heard anybody teach like that before. And then you start watching his life, and you notice that what he teaches, he actually lives. And you go, wow, that's kind of different. 
Then you start watching him even more, and you see he really loves like nobody else had ever loved. And the more you get to know about this guy, you think, I don't think I've ever met or come across anybody like this guy, Jesus. And you think, you know what? I think I want him to be my rabbi. That means I want him to be my spiritual teacher. Now, back 2,000 years ago, when you make that kind of decision, I got kind of thought, you have a decision to make, and, and what you're next to do is to, now you're going to leave your home, and you're going to leave your family, and you're going to leave your job, and you're going to go follow this guy so you can learn everything you can. And so you do that. For the first three years, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. But then people come in and think you're crazy. They say, man, what, you just walked away from everything, your job, your, your family, your, your house, to, to follow you. You're crazy. And you're going, no, uh, you're convinced. You're not crazy. You're convinced that this guy, there's something different about him, so different that you got to be around him as much as you can. And you think the people around him that are already following him, they just maybe they're going to do something big and you want to be a part of it. And so for three years, it's pretty cool. And then one Sunday, he walks into Jerusalem, this big old city, and there's a bunch of people there, kind of like here on Easter, a bunch of people there. And they wanted to make him king. But he didn't want to be the kind of king they wanted him to be. And they got ticked off. And things went south pretty quick. So Sunday, they want to make him king, but by Friday, he's dead. Not just any kind of dead, he's crucified dead. He's like a criminal dead. He's humiliated, stripped, beaten in front of a bunch of people saying, you're despicable, you're nothing, you're a failure kind of dead. And now you're going, man, what just happened? You find yourself in deep, deep despair. Think, God, who, what was, what was I thinking? Sunday morning comes. And like many of us here, when someone we love dies and they're buried, Shortly thereafter, we go, to the, we go to the cemetery. We go to their grave. And you do the same thing. You wake up on Sunday, you go to the tomb, and you're kind of confused. Because when you get to the tomb, you notice that the stone that guarded the tomb had been rolled away, and the tomb is empty. And the Roman soldiers that had been guarding the tomb, they're gone. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what, what happened? And all of a sudden, this, this angel, this, this presence of someone appears and they say, hey, listen, uh, he's not here. Uh, he's risen. He, he's alive. And now, now go tell everybody that. And you're thinking, man, if I go tell everybody that, they killed him. They'd probably kill me. And you're going, that kind of sounds kind of dangerous. So you're processing all this. And you think, well, you know, they killed him, but now he seems to be okay. They're saying he's alive. So you go, huh. And it starts reverberating in your head what the angel said. Hey, go tell everybody that hate has lost and love has won. Go tell everybody that this crucified carpenter is now the Lord, the master of the universe. He is risen. Now, if you're there and that happens and you believe it, what do you think would be the word, the one word that when that moment would come out of your mouth? Just kind of think about that. 
Now, there is a practice in the church, been around for a long time, that when we have services like this, that someone like myself stands up here and we say, Christ is risen, and everybody says back, Christ is risen indeed. I don't think that's what's happened 2,000 years ago. I don't think that somebody came to the tomb and they went, oh, I can't believe it. And everybody said, yes, Christ is risen. And all in orderly religious form, they said, yes, Christ is risen indeed. I don't think that's what happened. Here's what I think that happened, something more like this. You're not going to believe this. I was at the tomb. There was this angel there. The stone was rolled away. I went inside. He wasn't there. Then all of a sudden, I saw Jesus myself there in the garden. You're not going to kid this guy we've been following. This guy been doing all this teaching, all these miracles. This guy right here that's been changing all these lives. He really is alive. He has risen from the dead. And I think they all went, wow. Wow. I think that's the word. Something like that. Wow is a word that you and I say. We don't know what else to say. It's when we're kind of dumbstruck. We can't sink into our head. It's over. We go, what? Did I really see that? Is that really true? You just kind of go, wow. Interesting little word. Every language in the world has a word for wow. But it has no definition. Of all the words we have talked about in the past few weeks, they all have a definition. This word has no definition. It's a word that comes out of our mouth for something we can't comprehend, we can't soak in. It seems too good to be true, and we just kind of go, wow. And if we don't say, wow, most of us don't say, well, we go, oh, my God, God, whoa, God. We just say the word God. Even if you don't believe in God, people say that. As if in awareness that in your soul, your soul knows something you don't, that there's something bigger than you. Now, I want us to talk for a few seconds about this word, wow. I think it has something to teach us, and then we're going to get into the word and kind of go a little bit deeper here on this subject. The universe is built on wow. Before the creation, before you and I or anything existed, physicists say, physicists, a hard time saying that word, physicists say, there was something called Singularity. That everything that exists today that you and I can see and touch and hear and smell was smaller than the size of a pinhead. And then God breathed and created life. And there was an explosion, this creation of galaxies, of billions and billions. And then this little earth, this little tiny earth right in the middle of the Milky Way where human beings could live and breathe in an atmosphere with animals and plant life and water for you and I, just perfect for you and I could live. And when you let that sink in, that out of nothing, God created us something, a place where you could live, and it's always, your only response is just, wow, I can't, wow. And then over time, things happen in decades and decades and decades, and these, then these two little men get this wild and crazy idea, and they build this machine that were called the Wright Brothers, and you're standing out there in the field uh, way back in that day, right, just tending to your cows and your cattle, and all of a sudden you see this machine flying up in the air, and there's a man in it, and about all you say, wow. <laughs> and then some decades later, some of you are my age, so you remember this. I was a little kid when Neil Armstrong steps onto the moon we put a human being on the moon and it was just really wow 
And then, out of nowhere, the Texas Rangers make it to the World Series. <laughs> proving that there is a God and God is good. You know? I mean, it's just proof that God is good and everything like that. And not only that, they get to the very last out of winning the very whole thing. And we're all just ready to explode with, wow! And Nelson Cruz drops the fly ball. <laughs> and we all go, wow. <laughs> Am I the only one? I just can't get over it. I'm sorry. I'm still suffering. Uh, We all know what it's like to have these universal and these sports wow moments. We've been there. We've seen them. But we're here to talk about something a little bit different. I want to talk about a deeper sort of wow. The wow of the resurrection. That's our Easter word. It's a wow moment that is transforming. That means something deeper to us. And it comes back to your life, your life. I want you to hear this. Your life is built on wows. Your personal life is built on wows. Your birth, when you were born in the flesh, it was a miracle. It was a wow moment for your parents. It was a moment, a miracle moment. I remember when each of my three sons were born. Each one of them was a wow Equally so. The first one, Dallas had been in labor for 22 hours. That was a wow that a woman can sustain that for 22 hours. And finally, mercifully, the doctor said, let's let this woman have a C-section. And I signed off on it because she looked at me and I said, okay, well, let's do this. And so they had the C-section. And right before they do that, the doctor brings out this needle about <laughs> this long. An epidural, he called it. And he's going to stick it in her back. And I'm watching. And as he puts that six-foot fence post into her back, <laughs> I begin to get a little woozy. And moments later, I heard my wife kind of say, it seemed like moments later, is my baby okay? And the doctor said, listen, your baby and your husband are pinking up at the same time. <laughs> That's what you call resurrection, church. Wow. I have a dream and a vision of going to see the Great Wall over in China and to run in on that sucker. And to run a marathon. I heard last night there was a marathon to run on those steps. And just have that experience, I think, would be a wow experience. Anybody remember getting their driver's license? The first time getting in a car by yourself and you go, wow. Independence. I'm free. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I remember asking a West Texas girl to marry me. I proposed. She said, yes. I went, wow. <laughs> and it was great. We got married on a Saturday afternoon, what was then the coldest, iciest day in Texas history until this year. <laughs> and we got married on the afternoon because our wedding uh, was going to have to be early so we could get to Dallas in six hours for a big, romantic, wonderful two-day honeymoon in Dallas, Texas. I had to go to work on Monday. And so we get married early, we're done, we're driving, I see, I see, I see. It takes six hours to get from Odessa to Abilene, six hours. Forget it. We pulled over. We spent our honeymoon in a truck stop motel in Abilene, Texas. My wife did not say, whoa. 
it was, wow. <laughs> wow. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a real wow. It will be the wow of your life to understand it. I'm going to give you quickly, real three, three simple truths about the resurrection. Here's the first one in your notes. The resurrection, first of all, really happened. And it's important that you understand this. Because Easter, there's an idea that floats around like this. Here's the idea. Hey, Jesus, he probably really lived. He probably was a real guy. He probably was a great teacher. He probably was a great guy. He probably inspired a lot of people, really did, touched a lot of lives. But he was a man, and he died. And he was done. But there were some people who missed him a whole lot. And they felt like they sensed that he was around. And so they started telling these stories that he was resurrected, but they really weren't really real things. It was myth. It was, it was parable. It was, it was this mythic, hopeful folklore sort of stuff. And because it's in the ancient world, but the naive people, uneducated people, they believed it. They took it seriously. They took it literally. And they shouldn't. It was just a myth. It was just a folklore, a good little story that inspired people with hope. But it really, really didn't happen. That's the idea that goes around. And you need to understand when you read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they did not believe that the resurrection was a great little mythic folklore story. They don't present it that way at all. They present it as something that factually really happened. There's a scholar who wrote a little book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. And he talks about in the ancient world, in the times of the Greek and the Roman world, where Jesus was walking on this earth in, in Israel. That there were some serious writers who wanted to be different from all the folklore and the Greek mythology and all the fables and stuff. They wanted to be taken seriously as writers of history of stuff that really, really happens. Now, here's what they did. They talked to eyewitnesses and asked eyewitnesses what they saw and what they experienced. And they wrote down what the eyewitnesses saw and experienced. For example, over here in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we'll put it on the screen. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of all these things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, I, I don't know what you think, what you think about who Jesus is, but I want you to know the people who wrote this book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they thought he was much more, much more than myth or fable or some sort of folklore idea. They saw it as something, a man who really lived, who really died, and who was really resurrected. And people who were serious in their writing would use the eyewitnesses as their footnotes. If you're an author, you're writing a science book, you're writing a physics book, you're writing for a psychology journal. If you want to be taken seriously, you will have footnotes. Students, if you go to college and you're there in college and you have to write a report, they want you to have footnotes to take seriously that you've checked out what you think, what you write is true. And when they have eyewitnesses, it's like they're saying, you can go check it out. It is true, true, true. This really happened. 
Now, over here in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 21, it says this. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, why does it say a certain man from Cyrene, Simon? Because there were many Simons. We well, want you know there was a Simon that was from Cyrene. It was a man. We checked him out. He really existed. And then it says the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why Alexander and Rufus? Why do they put his kids in there? You don't see this in any of the other writings. Why is it there? To let them know, if you don't believe me, his sons are probably living. And they can tell you, they saw their dad carry the cross. And they know the tomb was empty. And they know firsthand. So if you don't believe me, go check them out. Footnote. Footnote. It is true. It is true. Bernstein bears don't have footnotes. Dr. Seuss doesn't have footnotes. The Bible has footnotes, which are the eyewitnesses who said, I saw it with my own eyes, and we talked to them and checked it out. Also, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were eyewitnesses at the tomb, the empty tomb. Somebody tell me, was it men or women? Women. All four of them were women. Now, that's a very interesting point. Here's why you need to know this. In the time of Jesus, women could not give legal testimony in court. Their testimony was not considered credible or legal. They were not taken seriously. But in the Gospels... Women were considered to be the eyewitnesses. Over here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, I will just give you one example. Luke chapter 24, verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, that is to the men. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Can you believe there was a time when women were not taken seriously? For the words that came out of their mouth, men say nothing. <laughs> the women said, Christ is risen. The men said, fake news. They did not believe it till they saw it with their own eyes. Now, what's the point here? If the stories of the resurrection of Jesus Christ were myth and folklore, and they're trying to convince gullible, naive people that it was true... They wouldn't have picked women because they wouldn't have believed them. The only reason it says women were the eyewitness at the tomb because the women were actually physically in the flesh, historically, the eyewitnesses at the tomb. This thing really happened. This is important for the point number two, for you to grasp this, because without point number one, number two is, is, is false. It's a lie. The resurrection, number two, changed everything. It's the hinge point of history. To this day, we measure time by the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we all have wow moments in our life, and it doesn't change everything. We have big wow moments, and it, everything's not changed. Life just keeps on going. I remember the first time I saw the Statue of Liberty. It was a wow moment. It really was. But it didn't change my whole life. I remember the second time I saw the Statue of Liberty. I was on, I was on July 4th, actually, on a boat in the Hudson River with fireworks going over the Statue of Liberty in New York City. I will tell you, that was a double wow moment, but it didn't change my life forever. 
I'll tell you another great wow in New York City. I got to go to old Yankee Stadium before they tore it down and sit in the dugout on the bench where Maris and Ruth and Ford and Barra all sat with my three sons. I went wow, wow, wow. It was a, we had church and we cried and we prayed. <laughs> but it didn't change my life forever. Anybody remember when you got your first paycheck? Your very first paycheck? You went, wow, wow. Remember when you saw how much the IRS takes out? <laughs> you went, oh, wow. All these are wow moments, but they don't change your life forever. But there was a man, and his name was Jesus. He really lived. And he taught that God is real. Because he was God in the flesh. And he taught that God is more loving than any mother or father, any good mother or father ever can be and ever will be. And he teaches that God cares. There's not a single sparrow that falls from the sky that God doesn't know about and God doesn't care. And there's not a single thing that goes on in your life that God doesn't know about it and that God doesn't care. And that means if that is true, then it changes everything that you are not alone. And there's nothing you have to go through on your own. It changes everything. What you got, some people don't understand this. That on Saturday, the movement was dead. It was gone. It was over. And on Sunday, it was on. On Saturday, there was nothing left to do but just mourn and grieve. And on Sunday, everything totally changed. Some of us don't grasp this because we don't, we don't grasp that Christianity is the only faith that does not develop over time. One day, it doesn't exist. The next day, it does exist. The birth of the church is because of this one thing that happened that really happened. Over here in Matthew chapter 28, we get this example of this. It says in verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell all the disciples, and suddenly Jesus met them. He said, greetings. I love that. There's no exclamation point. It's kind of understated. It's kind of like, what's up? <laughs> it's not a big deal. I told you I was going to do it. I told you God was going to do it. I mean, what's up? I mean, hey, it's me again. And then it's, look what happens next. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, and they came to him. They clasped his feet, and what they do? What they do? Somebody tell me what they do. They worshiped him. On Saturday, he was a dead criminal. On Sunday, they fall down and they worshiped him. It changed everything. And the birth of this thing called the church. And his way of living, his way of living, his way of being so loving, his way of forgiving people. His way of hanging out with people that nobody else would hang out with. His way of self-service and humility and sacrificing himself for others was not thwarted by the cross. It was just exalted by the cross because now a symbol of death, that is the cross, now is a symbol of love. And I don't care if you're someone who doesn't even believe in God. When you see a cross, you don't think of a criminal. You think of this man named Jesus whose name was love, that love overcomes hate. It changes everything. And this is the critical moment for next number three, because it can change everything in your life. And here's point number three. The resurrection is a very personal experience. It's deeply personal. 
Whatever you do in your life, you need to understand that the miracle of your life is your birth, and I'm going to say it, and your death. Both are very personal. And they are both wow moments. We don't talk about this very much, except maybe at funerals. But on Easter, I think it's appropriate this, this year because of COVID and everything that's happened that we just kind of acknowledge it. And the Bible talks about it a lot. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation, but to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to bring mercy, to bring wholeness to those who are waiting for him. And I have to ask you, are you waiting for Jesus? Are you waiting for him? You see, the biggest wow in your life is yet to come. The biggest wow in your life comes when you die. A little kid was playing around in his room, and he comes out and asks his mommy. He says, hey, mommy, hey, mommy, hey, mommy, is it true? Is it true that from dust we came and to dust we will return? Yeah, 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 it is true. Why do you ask? Why do you ask? Well, I was in my room. I was looking for my ball, and I looked under my bed, and somebody's either coming or going. <laughs> uh, somebody's always coming and going. Your birth is a Wow. And your death can also be a wow. When you come face to face with God himself. Over COVID, I was asked to come to a home to visit with a man on hospice, a young man in his 20s, and he was dying. And as I'm walking out the door, I say my prayer, and I'm walking out the door, he says, Pastor, he says, I'll see you in heaven. Can you imagine that moment? God doesn't want anybody to not have that moment. The Bible talks about those who live in their life forever in the absence of God. And he doesn't want any of his kids. So he says, here's, what, here's the deal. I love you. And I love you so much, I give you the gift of my son. And he has died upon the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Mercy and grace and goodness and kindness are yours as a gift. You just got to receive it. Just say yes and receive it into your life. And I will be with you every single moment of your life. Your wows and your wows. And when you die, you get to be with me forever. When you die, you can not only celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, you can celebrate the resurrection of you. Now, we're getting ready to do something to wind this down. I'm going to say Christ is risen, but we're not going to do the old liturgy. You're going to say, with thoughtfulness and passion and care, I want you to say, wow, okay? I'm going to say Christ is risen, and you're going to say, wow. And here's why we're doing it this way. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your sin has been taken care of. It's been wiped clean. Your death has been taken care of. You have hope. 
not just in your living. You have hope in your dying. And in between, your life can have meaning and purpose and value because you have a message to tell and to share that God can use you. And one day you're suffering. All your suffering will be redeemed. God says, I myself will wipe away every tear from your sorrowing eye. My fingers, I will do it. And everything you have lost, I will restore. Your dementia, your Alzheimer's, your body that is failing. Anything that is not working, I will make it new. And that's going to happen. You know why? Because it was a man. His name was Jesus. He lived and he died. Here it comes. Here it comes. Are you ready, everybody? Sanctuary, are you ready? True worth, are you ready? Here in the ark, are you ready online? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Would you please stand? I got one more wow as we walk out the door. And here it is. Here it is. Some of you are standing by someone you've been taking for granted. That person you're standing by or in front were created in the image of God. And that is someone that Jesus died for upon this cross and he entered the tomb out for them and their birth was a miracle and you just kind of take it for granted. And somebody right now, online, at home, sanctuary, true word, I want you to think about turning to them right now and going, There are miracles standing right next to you. And some of you are single. You're standing by someone you think is pretty attractive, and you're thinking, wow. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> Just go out in the crossing, get your picture taken with them, and exchange your numbers and talk about it later. Then maybe you'll say, well, okay. Now, why am I, asking, why am I bringing that up to you? Because next week we're starting a new message series. We're calling it six feet apart, exploring boundaries and relationships. Because some of you have been practicing six feet apart so long, you have forgotten how to love each other. Some of your relationships are really in trouble. Your families are in trouble. Betrayal. You've been hurt. You've got friendships. Some of your kids are not talking to you. Some of you. You've got kids that don't talk to you. You have in-laws in-law issues and you just because boundaries have been all skewed and messed up you destroyed relationships because of not having no boundaries and some of you got so many boundaries so next week I want you to invite someone to come with you you come back and let's learn how to really love real people in real life in real messes and see what God does okay God, we thank you for this great, wonderful, fantastic, marvelous day, this day of wow. This day where we stop everything to declare that you are good, that there's nothing in our life, God, that you cannot and you will not forgive through your son Jesus, that our shame can be destroyed. That these lives we live with so much suffering and so much challenge and so much conflict, God, that love wins over hate. 
and we feel joyless, God, and we have nothing to offer the world, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. And when it feels like there are walls that are growing and building in our relationship, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those walls can come tumbling down. And there's anybody in the house today, or online, or a true word, that would receive the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, I just say right now, just receive Him. Just say, wow, Jesus. Just say, wow, Lord. I want you in the middle of everything that I'm doing, because I feel whole rising within me because the resurrected Jesus. Sing it, Lord. Sing it. Come on, let's sing it together. I see joy. I see joy rising. I hear hope falling. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.